tick, boom. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into another episode of the Walk On Podcast. My name is Jason Pro. Alongside of me is my good friend Jordan Riddick. Jordan, live from Boone, North Carolina. How you doing today? I am doing good up in the the high country, Jason. It's quite a time up here. It's actually pretty cool today. It didn't get over seventy seven degrees, so pretty Ooh. nice outside. That sounds literally perfect is it does it get warm up in the mountains or has it been like 80 degrees the whole time um this whole past week it was it was around 80 degrees but that was it i'm very jealous because we had about 90 degrees here in lynchburg and it was miserable for this ohio boy yeah i'm sure it was miserable (laughs) lynchburg is lynchburg is the fake mountains as as i've learned very quickly here it is, yeah. It, it, I, I didn't grow up in the mountains or anything like that. I've never lived outside of Lynchburg as far as mountains go, but it, it doesn't feel like a mountain city. It's not. Oh well, they they can keep claiming to have mountains. We know we all know it's just large hills, but. <laughs> But with that being said, uh, we have an exciting episode for you guys today. Uh, We're going to kind of blow through our heavy hitters today. We're going to talk about the NBA uh, and this past week's events of canceling some games over the the death of Jacob Blake. Uh, The MLB trade deadline is coming up. uh, The day this episode will be released. And so we're going to kind of discuss what we think is going to happen. Uh, Last, we're going to talk about the NFL season being just around the corner. Uh, And then, Jordan, I can't believe we're actually saying this. Mm. College football started yesterday. And so we're going to talk. (laughs) The first play of the game was a touchdown. That's how (laughs) you know they were prepared. Uh, But. Uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming college football season and kind of preview that a little bit. And then, of course, just like always, we'll end the episode with another rendition of What Grinds Your Gears. So, Jordan, are you ready to jump in? Let's do it. All right. Let's go ahead and take it away. This past week, the NBA really made a lot of news uh, when the Milwaukee Bucks decided that they were going to boycott their game against the Orlando Magic uh, a day or two after the shooting of Jacob Blake in uh, Wisconsin uh, made national headlines was the first time since the 60s that an NBA game has been boycotted by the players. Back then, it was also boycotted over racial tensions. Jordan, uh, what were your thoughts on the way that whole situation was handled? Because eventually, every team joined in the boycott, uh, and they were out for about three days before we had basketball Mm -hmm. back. So what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, initially, it was was very surprising, I think, but inevitable. Um, In fact... Two, I believe it was the day before the Bucks had decided that they were going to boycott. Um, there were talks about the Celtics and the Raptors doing the same thing the, mm-hmm. the next day. And so we knew that this was a possibility going in um, after the death of Jacob Blake. Um, I think uh, with anything and, and, and everything that we've seen thus far with these social justice movement. Um, I think this is the first time that it seemed um, like there was a little bit of disunity, like not everyone was together. In fact, the magic 
were planning on playing that day. They were uh, out on the court. Right. They were ready to go with about three minutes left to go on the clock before the game started. So, And obviously, we heard about those meetings, those players-only meetings, um, mm-hmm. and there seemed to be not a a unified voice for the yeah. players. And so I think that made it very difficult um, for them to move forward. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, that's all I got for that situation. Um, I, now, you know, people might say like, why did they do this? What did they accomplish? Well, I was just about to ask um, that is what is the lasting impact of this? Long-term? Well, I mean, did it accomplish we've already, its goal. Right. I, and I, I, I would challenge and ask, you know, what it, what was the goal? What, what was the initial goal for this? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming that, uh, it was to get more people involved in the voting process. And already we've seen, um, some impact of that. All the governors of the NBA teams have, uh, promised to push as hard as they can to make their home sites, their home arenas as voting centers, legal mm-hmm. voting centers, um, in all of their counties. And we've already seen Los Angeles step up and Staples Center will be a voting center um, for 2020. And I think that is amazing. But um, I, get, I, I think the one question that I have, Jason, is what, you know, in, in terms of the Jacob Blake shooting and how egregious that was and how unfortunate that was, what did we really accomplish? Did we really want to make a stand for him or did we just want more people to vote in November? Because I really have a hard time connecting the dots there. I'm going to say something that I don't think I've ever said before in my entire life. Stephen A. Smith was a voice of reason Mm -hmm. uh, the other day in this situation. Uh, Normally I, I viewed him for a long time as very outlandish, outspoken and just just loud like just that's kind of how I viewed him but I I watched his initial reaction video and to kind of answer your question is I don't think we're gonna have an answer immediately I think this will be a long term down the line year maybe two years before we finally see the true impact of the boycott Uh, because he threw out something that said by the NBA players boycotting Uh, the TV stations like TNT and ESPN are losing money. Therefore, uh, the NBA is going to be losing money because that's going to impact their deal. If the NBA loses money, the uh, commissioner loses money. If the commissioner loses money, the owners are losing money. Uh, And if the owners are losing money, then inevitably the players are going to end up losing money. And so I I think in the grand scheme of things is – this was really just them saying this is bigger than us like no longer like it's bigger than money it's bigger than playing it's bigger than the sport 
in the past, you could kind of make the argument that like, okay, what are they really sacrificing? There's a chance that they sacrificed their finances in this. And, and so we might not see that until the next round of contracts roll around. And it might not even be that substantial just yet. Uh, I do think if they would have ended the season, it would have had an even bigger impact uh, on this. Um, right. But I, I think for the first time we saw the players come together and say, hey, this is bigger than our contracts. Like this racial injustice issue is greater than what we're making and what our checks say. Uh, I, they would rather stand for that than receive their due paycheck. And so, I, like I said, I, I don't think we'll see that answer until down the road and see the impact of that until later. And it might not be as substantial as uh, I originally thought it was going to be. But I, I do think that over anything, is it, it just shows that the players are taking it very seriously and that they're willing to sacrifice their own lives and their own livelihood for this this goal i mean i, I get all that but I, I guess i just don't i yeah th- that's fine but guess what uh they're still playing yeah as of yesterday so espn tnt they got all those game fives yesterday yep they got it all back they got it all back so i mean unless they had actually boycotted the season then, yeah, I guess I guess what you're saying does make sense. But to me, it goes a little bit bigger than that. Than you know that yeah, maybe they do have a point that they'd like to make, but I just don't know how voting and making it available for more people to vote. I think that's a great cause. I think everybody should have a safe way to vote this November. Mm-hmm. But how how does that impact, uh, you know, somebody killing another person? Like, I, I just don't – I guess that doesn't cross me as something substantial for that. I think for something – for culture to change, hearts have to change. And so and, – and, of course, money has to be allocated elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But I just don't understand – like, to me, it's a great idea. I just feel like – when they were asked, what do you want in this situation? This is literally all they could come up with because they had never thought about it. They were just tired of seeing these situations where black men and women are killed and they really didn't have an answer to, hey, what do you guys want to get back on the court? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, we want more people to vote. Okay, that's fine. We'll dedicate money. We'll make our arenas centers for voting, voting precincts, and uh, we'll we'll promote voting this November. Well, what happens in this next December when another black man is killed? You know what what's going to happen then? What if this wasn't an election year? I to me, this goes beyond it, and I think there needs to be, and I think there will eventually be more thought out detailed answers um but i think this just was a gut punch i think this was just a a um and a, a players association making a point like you said but i i just i don't see the lasting impact of this 
And like I said, I, I, I don't think their impact is as great as they wanted it to be because they ended up coming back onto the court. I think the greater impact would have been saying, hey, we're done with the season. Uh, but as for now, they are back on the court and they do intend to play out the rest of the year. Uh, now let's move to a, store, a sport where uh, we didn't think they'd be able to make it through the year. Mm. Um, we we kind of had thrown out the idea of postseason uh, just because of the how they started the year and yeah. how even in their miscommunications early on uh, and terrible press from the uh, the owners and the players, um, we didn't think the MLB was going to last this long. Uh, but here we are, over halfway through the season, and the trade deadline is on Monday. We are recording on Sunday, so that will be tomorrow for us. Uh, but the trade deadline is always one of the most entertaining days in my opinion during the baseball season just because uh, there's always a lot of major moves and I'm curious do you think that this shortened season changes the way teams approach the trading deadline oh yeah for sure I mean it's hard to trade a guy when he's only had 35 games under his belt you know Uh, and teams that buy are also running the risk of yeah this guy's only played a good 35 games um i don't think we're gonna see any franchise changing trades mm-hmm. i think everybody knows that this is a very short very interesting very different season so i don't think anybody's gonna risk their 2021 and on um to make a big splash for this season. Now, if we're going to talk about one particular team that really needs to get up here and make some moves to help their team, uh, even though they're towards the top of their division now, I think the Yankees really need to solidify their roster for the postseason just based on the fact that they have been plagued with the injury bug the entire season. They can't keep anybody healthy. They're a great roster. They're deep, but I think you need to really solidify every position, um, especially that rotation up front, because if any of their starters go down, then I think they can just wave their, their postseason hopes goodbye. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be one team for me that would need to go out and go ahead and, and figure out something in terms of finding some replacements. And I think they have a very logistical trade partner in my Cleveland Indians who are having some issues with some of their starting pitchers, uh, for lack of a better term. You can uh, hear my rant about that last on last week's episode. Uh, but um, Mike Clevenger has been rumored to be involved in a lot of trade talks this past year, and he's one of a, a top 10% pitcher in the league. I'm not going to say top 10 pitcher, but top 10% pitcher in this league. Uh, and so he would bring a major upgrade uh, to a depleted Yankees rotation. Uh, and also, they are stacked in the outfield, which is the Cleveland's biggest uh, need. And so logistically, I think that makes the most sense for both teams. Uh, it, uh, not straight up, but Clint Frazier going back to Cleveland where he originally came from. Uh, and then Clevenger going to the Yankees, I think is a very logistical uh, fix for both of those teams. Your Orioles have been uh, 
getting rid of some of their players recently. Uh, do you think that is more of a, like, we're still not there and we're going to continue in this long rebuilding process? Or we're acquiring talent for the near future rather than the long future? Uh, I mean, Jason, we we could have played a 10-game season and we still we still would have found a way to trade pieces away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Orioles are about five years away from contending with anything. Okay. Um, they have surprised with their level of play um, just by the sheer fact that um, just a couple days ago they were playing 500. Yeah. Um, they've won more than 10 games, which is what a lot of people said that they would win. So um, I, I just, you know, they, they've played a little bit above expectation. Um, but they also realize the severity of their situation. And it also helps that the Yankees and the Rays and the Blue Jays are well ahead of them in the standings. And so it, there's no reason for them to make any kind of playoff push, no reason to keep anybody around other than some of the young talent. Um, they just need to move on and go ahead and, and trade those pieces that they had already made a plan for at the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, they're they're in a very rough spot along with several other teams. You look at the Tigers are another team that – really just kind of feels a long ways from being in contention. Uh, and then all throughout Major League Baseball, there's a huge talent gap between the top teams and the lower level teams. And so I am curious to see how the rest of the trade deadline plays out tomorrow. Last topic before we hit our break, the NFL season is right around the corner. And it's another sport that I wasn't necessarily sure we'd be able to see this year. Uh, I was worried about whether or not we'd get football. Uh, and so briefly before we had to break, um, do you think, Jordan, that we'll be able to make it through a whole 16-game NFL season? With the numbers that I've been seeing, I'm cautiously optimistic that, okay. yes, we'll be able to play 16 games a team. Um but this is a pandemic. Um, so yeah. I'm not going to act like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give it the Charles Barkley guarantee. Um, but guarantee, right. I'm not going to give it that. Um, but what I will say is that, uh, barring a league wide outbreak, we should be able to play 16 games this season. Do you, what do you think is the biggest challenge uh, up against the NFL to play those 16 games? The biggest challenge is travel because – and get, I think if they start getting those instant tests, uh, that mm-hmm. will um, – because let me, let me run you through a scenario, Jason. A team uh, – let's just say the Redskins – excuse me, the Washington football team mm-hmm. is traveling up to Baltimore to play the Ravens one week. They test the day before they leave, which is the day before the game, uh, because it's only a ride up to Baltimore. They all test negative before they leave. They get to the hotel, and let's say uh, just so happens that the bus driver or whatever had COVID and spread it to two or three of the guys. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're the Ravens, you're under the impression that these guys are all coming in clean. Well, I, I tell you what would eliminate that is an instant test the hours before the game, making sure that these guys are still clean, 
before yeah. they even step on the field, before they even start warming up. Um, I will say that that would create a a bigger problem because the quicker the test you can get, the more chances of a test that is positive is is a false positive and all that. Right, and is available for that. So uh, if we do get those instant tests, we may end up seeing more um, games either postponed or canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's my only other reservation and question is, you know, what happens when a team has a couple of cases on a Tuesday and can't practice till Friday? Are you still going to let them play that game, you know, Sunday? Are you going to allow them to do that? And what happens when a team has a positive case on a Saturday? You obviously can't play Sunday. Are you going to wait till Wednesday to play the game? And is that team that they face, are they going to have to play again on Sunday? Yeah, and there's no double headers in the NFL. And so no, uh, you're kind of screwed if you have a a slight outbreak within a team. Uh, And so I agree with you. I think travel is definitely a a huge concern for the league because they have such large travel sizes. Uh, You think about uh, about 50 players travel every single week, uh, and then you have assistant coaches, trainers, support staff, uh, equipment managers, like, there is such a huge contingent that is traveling. And if one of them gets sick, it can spread throughout the whole organization, which is, is terrifying because that can cause a massive outbreak. And it, if you miss a week or God forbid, two weeks of playing time, uh, your season is basically over at that point. Cause there's not enough weeks in the season to make up for that. So, uh, do you think we could see something, last question, where uh, they give a couple buffer weeks at the end of the season uh, built in just in case uh, something like this happens? I mean, there's always a possibility. It, it would just have to work out where so many games were not able to happen and so they had to just move it to the end. Um, yeah. I think you could also see a scenario where uh, the full schedule just continues, and those games would be played, barring if it um, had any implications on playoff standings. Mm-hmm. Um, you see so that yeah. in Major League Baseball sometimes. Exactly. So um, that would be the only question is, um, you know, for me, if if a team, if two teams can't get together and play because of whatever, um, that game would be postponed until further noticed. Or indefinitely, and then if we get to week seventeen, and after those games are played, if that game needs to be played because of playoff scenarios, any playoff scenarios, whether we're talking seeding in or out of the playoffs, one or two seed in the playoffs, if one of those teams needs to play that game, they're going to play the game. That makes a lot of sense. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we're going to discuss an outlook for college football uh, you're listening to the walk on podcast must be to be this way but y'all won't need to try this no way around it you the loudest one is and welcome back into i guess jason this is studio apart from each other i don't know what we're going to call this anymore this is no longer ohio to virginia beach this is Lynchburg to Boone, so uh, from the Mountain Studios. 
There you go. There you go. That'll work. But anyway, welcome back to this episode uh, where Jason and I are about to break down the NCAA football season. And Jason, we had football last night, and that was pretty exciting to see, even though I only watched a couple plays in the kickoff. So uh, it was still exciting to see football being played, uh, Mm -hmm. counting towards something for this college football season. It's very refreshing to see, uh, considering where we were about two months ago looking forward to this season, and we just didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, and so to be able to see, even though they're two teams that literally no one cares about going up against each other on national television, uh, it was just refreshing, and it was encouraging. And I think uh, it just kind of gives people a, a, a sense of hope um, that – life can return back to normal Um, because it's kind of the one sport that isn't making a ton of drastic changes to their, their, uh, their season uh, other than um, obviously the big 10 and the pac 12. But for right now uh, you're not seeing any bubbles. You're not seeing any playoff changes, any Heisman voting changes like as far as football is concerned, it is staying the same. And so it's a little sense of normalcy in this weird time. Yeah, for sure. It's um, anything that we can get back to to what we remember before COVID um, is going to feel refreshing to us. But Jason, uh, let's let's quickly, quickly uh, run through this. And um, what teams in your mind are, are poised for a big year? Now, remember – we don't have the Big Ten and the Pac-12 for now. Um, mm-hmm. So what are the teams that uh, you're liking for this 2020 season? Yeah, I think right off the bat, I think I think the obvious answer is Clemson because they get to pretty much play all of their games within the ACC, and uh, that's not going to pose too big of a challenge, unfortunately, uh, for them leading into the postseason. So I think they're set up well for success. Uh, another team that I think has an opportunity for a big year uh, and to take advantage of kind of the missing pieces, uh, I think a team like Cincinnati, uh, this could be the first postseason college football playoff where we get a non-Power 5 conference represented uh, and obviously the American Athletic Conference would be the most recognized of those group of five schools and so I think Cincinnati is in great shape to kind of put a season together they play within their conference the whole season uh, and so they have a chance to put together an impressive resume uh, of a large winning season uh, and hopefully win over the the voters to earn a spot in a postseason, uh, in the postseason, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if there's a year for it to happen, I think it's this year. Jordan, what about you? Who do you think is bound to impress? Um, and I mean this in the most genuine way. I really do believe that North Carolina can challenge. Is the only team in the ACC, um, the genuine ACC. I'm not including. Uh, Notre Dame, and, and when I say ACC, just because they're playing in the ACC this year doesn't mean that they're an ACC member. Um, now, and I don't—I'm not big on Notre Dame either. I think they're highly rated because 
they they're always highly rated. <laughs> they're they're yeah. in the top team. It's top ten. It seems like every year, and in the top twenty five by the end of the year, finishes. Um, I think North Carolina sincerely can challenge Clemson in the ACC, and I say this because uh, two of the three tougher games that they have um, are at home. Now I understand that home field advantage is not going to mean all that it did last year or years prior because of the limited fans or, or the lack of fans in some of these stadiums, but it is nice playing on your field. It is nice not having to travel. So let's throw that all in there. And home field is, is home field advantage for multiple reasons. It's not all about the fans. Um, another team that I think is going to impress again is Alabama. I think Alabama is poised to, go ahead and take LSU's reins um, that they had on the SEC last year. Um, of course, Georgia is going to play a contending role. I think Texas A&M could also end up playing a big role in the SEC. But I think uh, Alabama, for the most part, is, is going um, to not walk over the SEC this year. But I think uh, with all that's going on, I think Nick Saban has found a way to work out some of the defensive issues, some of the defensive uh, communication issues that they had last year and I think they're going to look like the Alabama that we that we remember um, that's so dominant and is just all about winning yeah I, I definitely see them taking over back at least this year in the SEC uh, because I think for me the team that is going to disappoint uh, would be LSU uh, obviously losing somebody like Joe Burrow, uh, it's a massive blow to any team, uh, let alone the national champions. Uh, and so that's that's going to take a huge toll. Uh, and then they also just lost their uh, one of their wide receivers. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to be opting out uh, in order to pursue the NFL draft. And so uh, even though he met, one player doesn't make a team, that's a big loss for them. And so losing their star quarterback and their star receiver, uh, I think kind of sets them behind the eight ball in a very talented SEC. I mean, just look at the AP top 25. Uh, there's two SC teams placed right above them um, in Alabama and Georgia. And so I, I think they're going to have some tough sledding in order to return to the form that they were last year. Jordan, who do you think is going to disappoint? I agree that LSU probably will take a step back. Um, mm -hmm. I think a, I think a team that will disappoint is any team in the Big 12. Um, I'm not really high on the Big 12 this year, uh, especially considering that they're just going to be playing each other. Uh, yeah. We won't really get to see a test between leagues. Um, I think, of course, Oklahoma and Texas, again, are the teams to look at in the Big 12, but I, I'm not really high on any of those teams. Like I mentioned earlier, not super high on Notre Dame. Even they are playing in the ACC, uh, have a decent schedule. I, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at all that they are who they say they are. Um, I think another team that may end up disappointing is Georgia. It seems like they're in the top five every year, and they just can never put it together. And I think uh, there's nothing that they've done. There's nobody that they've recruited that I've said, oh this is going to make the difference for them this year. Um, I think it's just going to be more of the same. Um, and so with that being said, um, with, with all of that, I think um, personally 
I think that the biggest disappointment for, for me will probably be either Notre Dame or Georgia. Completely fair. I, I, I think Notre Dame kind of – they hurt themselves now going into a conference, so I definitely agree with you. What about the Heisman uh, in this kind of weird half NCAA football season? Who is the front runner for this year's Heisman? Well, <laughs> I think it's funny that last year, um, which can we also <laughs> just recognize that one of our first episodes last year yes, was, was the college football preview. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. Uh, we've, now we've done two of these. Um, but I think Goldilocks would have to be probably a favorite going in Trevor Lawrence, um, his third year mm-hmm. at at Clemson, playing in the ACC. I think whoever ends up being the Alabama quarterback, um, whether that's Bryce Young or Mac Jones, it's looking like Mac Jones will be the leader under center for the time being just because Bryce Young is dealing with some injuries right now. But I do believe that whoever ends up being quarterback for them will be a front you know, in front for Heisman. Um, I feel really bad for Justin Fields because I think this would have been his year to step out and win that award. Yeah. Um, but because of Ohio State and the Big Ten's decision to not play, we won't get to see him uh, compete for this award. Um, but yeah, the, those are a couple names. Of course, I got to shout out my boy Sam Howell. Um, if Carolina can get it together and and win. Um, most of their games, I think this year he's going to be a big part of that. And so um, he has the arm talent. Uh, I think this year he his you know season to season improvement needs to be uh, holding on to the ball. Um, he did very decent with his uh, touchdown to interception ratio, but um, one thing that he did do often was uh, fumble the ball. And so I'd like to see him hold on to that ball a little bit tighter. Uh, and if he can replicate the passing season that he had last year, I, I think, again, uh, he could be a dark horse to win that award. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think that we're making the same predictions as we did last year because <laughs> really I, I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, hes my Heisman front runner as well uh, in an ACC conference that uh, isn't necessarily stacked, um, to say the least. And obviously you do have teams like North Carolina, uh, and you do have teams like uh, Notre Dame playing in that uh, that conference this year. But other than that, uh, you really don't have much. Uh, and so Clemson doesn't even have to go up against uh, UNC at all, at least in the regular season. They might have to face in the, uh, the ACC championship game, but they don't have to face them early on. And so I think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to just kind of coast through the season and win the Heisman Award, just like you, though. Uh, Justin Fields was going to be my pick this year. Uh, I thought this was the best Ohio State team that they've had in who knows how long. Uh, Just everything seemed to be coming together and clicking uh, and just putting together a perennial powerhouse. And so he had all the weapons around him that he might need. Uh, He has both the arm strength and the running ability to be a dynamic dual threat quarterback. Uh, And so I was expectant of him to put together Heisman type numbers this year and lead Ohio State into the postseason uh, but obviously that's not going to happen and so he can't, doesn't even have a chance to win it which is super disappointing because this is going to be the last year that we see of him in college football 
Um, but Trevor Lawrence definitely, I think, takes the cake. Uh, so, Jordan, in this weird season, who are the four teams that you think will make the college football playoff? Oh, man, that's that's so hard to predict because of the fact that we're missing, you know, two Power Five conference champions. So the dynamic mm-hmm. will be so different. Um, Let's be honest, though. Was the Pac-12 really going to send a representative anyway? I mean, if Utah had won their game in the conference championship against Oregon last year, they were the de facto number four team. So, that's yeah. That's true. Uh, there's a chance, uh, especially if, if anybody in the Pac-12 had had a season like Utah. And, and teams were – and people were saying that USC was looking really good in the summer. Um, they always and, say that. And Well, not really. It's been years <laughs> since people have said that USC was supposed to be good. Um, and, you know, that, that was going to be interesting to look at. Um, if I had to pick four teams right now, I would probably say Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. And I think that's really – I think that's the four – if I'm correct, that's the top four teams uh, that Outside are Outside of Ohio State, yeah. You're right. So um, that's, that's not quite a hot take, but, uh, you know, those are the four teams that make most sense to me right now. And that's very fair, and I think that's going to be a major factor. I think you're not going to see many surprises this year. Uh, but I, I, my four, uh, and I touched on it earlier, I think this is a chance for a group of five school to make it in. If they can run the table uh, in dominating fashion, I think they have a chance to make a claim uh, for the postseason. So my four are Clemson as the number one, I have Alabama as the number two, Oklahoma as the number three, and like I said, I'm throwing Cincinnati in as the number four uh, because I think that this year they'll feel compelled to include a group of five school because it's not really a real playoff. And so this can be their way of saying, okay, you've been asking for it. We're going to give it to you, and look at how wrong you are. <laughs> Look at how yeah. wrong you are yeah. in throwing a group of five school. This is their chance to smack everyone in the face and say, hey, we know what we're doing and not including these teams. You keep saying that they deserve to be here. Now prove it to us. This is your chance. And so I think they will include Cincinnati or who, the, the number one, the top group of five school as the number four seed at, just to kind of prove people wrong. Right. Uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, Jordan, sure. national champion. Call your shot. Uh, Alabama. That's who I'm going with. They're my SEC team um, for this season. I think that they'll they'll end up if they have it. And that's the other thing, Jason, is these things are hard to to predict. That far, right? To considering that we have to get about (laughs) four months down the road. (laughs) Um, But if they have it, uh, I think you know from the blind eye, from not seeing anybody play, I, I, I have Alabama winning it. Yeah, I have Clemson winning it, which probably means we're going back to that Alabama-Clemson National Championship right. game tour uh, that consistently seems to come up. Um, something that we always like to do on our show uh, is we like to throw out these bold takes. Um, 
So we're going to do some Boiling Hot Takes College Football Edition. Uh, And so for those of you who are new to the show, what we do in this section is uh, we make some potentially outlandish takes, things that may not make sense to the uh, to the average eye, and then we try to explain them, uh, which sometimes goes better than others, and I tend to embarrass myself quite often in this segment. So buckle in, folks. Jordan, how about you kick us off? Yeah, uh, my first hot take is that Trevor Lawrence is going to throw 55 to 60 touchdowns this season. That's that's a huge number, but in the ACC, I can see it happening because they're not necessarily known for their defense. Yeah. Uh, I like it. My first boiling hot. T- I, I don't know what else to say other than, I mean, I predicted him to win the Heisman, so I'm not going to disagree with you. Right. <laughs> but uh, my first boiling hot take is Oklahoma will not win the Big 12, but they will still end up in the postseason uh, in the college football playoff. I, I say this because I think that they're going to go undefeated in the regular season. Uh, lose their conference championship game to a two-loss school like Baylor or Oklahoma State uh, and then end up having to uh, trust the voters to get in. But if my prediction earlier stays true, they will be the three-seed as a one-loss non-conference champion. Uh, Jordan, what's your hot take number two? Uh, my second hot take is that Notre Dame uh, will finish the season with six wins. Wow. They're playing a 10-game schedule, correct? It's 10 plus one, so I have them going six and five. Wow. They're ranked 10th right now. Yep. Who? Look, I'm looking through their schedule right now. Mm-hmm. They have Duke, That's South a win. Florida. That's a win. Wake Forest. That's a win. Florida State. So they'll start this. They're, they're going to start the season three and zero, but I have them okay. losing to Florida State. I okay. I believe I also have them losing to no. I have them beating Louisville, losing to Pittsburgh, losing to Georgia Tech, losing to Clemson, beating Boston College, and beating Syracuse. But I have them also losing to North Carolina. Wow! So that six wins. That's that might be your hottest take that I've heard in a while, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm I'm speechless. I've, I that, wow. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling uh pretty savage feeling, today. So <laughs> you're feeling bold today. Is this yeah. just a uh, an anti-independent Notre Dame take? Is that what this is? No, it's it's just the fact that I've never believed that Notre Dame was anything worth its salt since it, since the realignment era. So. I, there's nothing to tell me that anything would be different this season. Wow. This is their chance to prove you wrong. Uh, for me, sure. I'm going to jump ahead to later in the college football season uh, and second season, I guess you could say, uh, with, with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Um, I believe they're going to have an excessive amount of players uh, opt out of the season because of preparing for the NFL and the timing of the NFL draft. I just think both of these conferences have screwed themselves over more than they're willing to admit um, because especially the Big Ten uh, with how much talent there is in that conference uh, and how many players have massive draft potential. I I think of a guy like Justin Fields, and I hate to say this, but if he's not playing for anything, 
what's the point in playing? Exactly. Protect, exactly. Think he's got to think about his future, and you think about all the rest of the talent on an Ohio State team, on a a Penn State, on a, a TTUN, uh, the team up north. Uh, you think about all the talent, even Wisconsin, like uh, Oregon. Um, these are teams with a lot of talent on their roster who have NFL draft potential. And I, I think for them, the smartest thing to do will be to opt out of their season. And so I think, unfortunately, we're going to see a lot of players who don't necessarily deserve massive amounts of playing time getting a lot of playing time. Uh, and so it, you're going to see a lower quality football, and it's just not going to be fun for anyone. Uh, it's just going to be miserable because none of the big names that you want to see are going to be playing. And so that's my second boiling hot take. I feel like that's a that's a pretty decent hot take for, for the both of us. As far as we both had good takes or... Yeah, like those were pretty hot takes. Yeah, normally we're, we're like three for four or even 50% on these. But I think today we nailed them. Oh, yeah. Jordan, you want to take us to break and uh, preview our final segment? Uh, no. I'm making an no. executive decision that we're going right to what grinds your gears. Oh, gosh. There's no, there's no time like the present, Jason. There's no time <laughs> like the present. Wow. For such a time as this, for what grinds your gears. I think I know what grinds my gears. Is Jordan taking over the episode I designed? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, oh, oh, man. Half kidding. But yes. <laughs> since you're making the executive decisions, Jordan, who's going to lead us off today? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go first, if you don't mind. Oh, okay. I'll ask permission take this over time. The show. Just I'll ask permission this time. Can I go I'll first, just, Jason? I'll kick my feet up, pretend like I don't even exist, and you don't even have to there worry you go, about there me. There you go. Finish the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so what grinds my gears, Jason, is, oh, man, there's so many things to choose from. But today, That's today... Today we're going to talk about tipping people. Mm. Like knocking people over? No, 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 no. Not like cow tipping. As in like gratuity. Ah. Um, Be generous. Like, dang it, guys. Like, I know so many people that are so stingy about their tip. If you go out to dinner with a family of five and you tip $5, I don't care if you're at McDonald's. That is simply not enough if you have a waiter waiting on you i was gonna say there's no waiters at mcdonald's i've never left a tip i'm just talking about the quality of food i'm just talking about the quality of food here um like that come on like these uh guys and girls make the bare minimum and literally the bare minimum yes like lower than minimum wage which somehow doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense um but either way, you're going to, and especially if somebody's like really nice to you, really cordial, gets your food out on time, is really good at keeping up with the drinks. Like tip them, tip them twenty percent. Like come on, y'all. Like that, it's crazy. And I know yeah. so many people that think a fa- a flat five dollars every time that they go to a restaurant is cool. It's not. It's not cool no. at all. Come on. I, I, I for one hand. I start out at 20%. Right. And like that can fluctuate down depending on the service. 
Uh, obviously, if I <laughs> right. have really bad service, I'm going to drop that. Uh, because there are times where, like, they didn't earn that 20% tip. Uh, they didn't meet the basic expectation that I have of being waited on. Uh, and that's not a knock on that, them as a person. But I also want to reward those who work hard for their hard work and those who right. are slacking right. off for their not working hard. But so I start out at 20%. And then if you really impress me, uh, you can earn upwards of that. And oftentimes, if I'm just going out by myself, uh, I, I would leave a decent-sized tip for my bill. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to throw down $5 on a $5 bill, right. but uh, I, I do try and leave above that 20%, especially if I'm just out there by myself because these people are working hard, uh, and I, I know they look at a, a one-person table with disgust or a two-person yes. table with disgust. Exactly. Oh, that's that's good. I, I like you sticking up for them. Uh, mm. They need more people to stick up for them and fight for them. Uh, because so, so Jason, hard. so Jason, yes. what grinds your gears? Okay. What grinds my gears is how old I feel right now. Oh man. Oh, as a lot of you guys, and it doesn't help. <laughs> Before I jump into it, it doesn't help that I'm uh, aging another year. Uh, this. This coming week, um, Saturday is my twenty-third birthday, Jordan. Oh my gosh, it's that. almost the one-year anniversary of the Twitter gaff. Uh, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> so I just want to remind you: you have no excuses now. I'm going to be twenty-three. Uh, all of That's that awesome. to say, uh, <laughs> man, I feel old, and it didn't hit me oh. until about last night at ten o'clock. Uh, and for those of you who didn't hear last week's episode, I'm a, a graduate student assistant at Liberty University. And so I'm teaching two classes by myself. Man. And so I do have students reaching out and contacting me with questions. Uh, and it makes me feel so old because the email that I got last night addressed me as Mr. Prill. Man. No. Mr. Yes. Prill is bald and 60 years old. I'm not that old. I got hair on my head. No, call me Jason. I'm two years older than you. Please. <laughs> oh, it killed me. Like, I, I felt like a knife go straight through my stomach. And I know, and I appreciate the respect that they're trying to show me and viewing me as an authority figure. Like, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I hated. They're being just scared, Mr. little Prill. They're just scared, little freshmen. That's why they reacted like that. I know, but it it it, it hurt my feelings to realize how old I'm getting. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, funny, Jordan. That's what grinds my gears this week. Well, thank you guys uh, for tuning into this episode of the Walk On Podcast. I hope you guys had fun. Uh, we always have fun recording these episodes, uh, and so stay tuned next week. We are going to give you guys an NFL preview. And unlike college football, we have every team participating. So we can go. (laughs) For the time being. For the time being. Knock on wood. For the time being, we have every team participating. And so we can have some fun. uh, And maybe, just maybe, we can throw together a fantasy football league, Jordan. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> maybe you can. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll throw together uh, a fantasy football league because right now I have yet to be invited to any. So I have to figure same, something same. out. Same, Nobody has asked me. None of my friends have asked me to be a part of their fantasy football league. How about that? I think this is what comes with getting old. This is what I'm saying, Jordan. I don't have people that like I live with every day who could just be like, hey, we're putting a league together. Mm. Man, I hate this. Make me like 19 again. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of that to say, stay tuned next week for that NFL preview. Uh, we'll have some fun on that episode as well, and hopefully uh, we can talk about uh, some definites and not some what-ifs uh, like we did for the college football preview. Uh, with that being said, thank you guys again for tuning in. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, uh, and tell your friends about us. Uh, we really appreciate the support. For Jordan Riddick, I'm Jason Prill. You've been listening to the Walk On Podcast. Tick, tick, boom.